This episode of Going Forward is brought to you by Optimizer, an award-winning PPC management tool used by advertisers worldwide. Save time and boost the performance of your PPC campaigns on Facebook, Amazon, and Google, or Microsoft. Get a 14-day free trial at optimizer.com slash go slash VIP. All right, everyone, I want to welcome you to an episode of Going Forward. This is where we have meaningful conversations with entrepreneurs and leaders. And today, uh, I have a really different kind of leader on the line with me today. We were talking before the call and, you know, his name is Kurt Long. He's an entrepreneur and he's a philanthropist. And, and you know, he said a couple of things that hit a really good button for me about being an entrepreneur. It's not just about the money. It's about the people. And, and I asked him, you know, earlier, man, you've had just an amazing career. And he said, you know, I guess when you go back and you look at it on paper, I guess it is. So I want to welcome uh, Mr. Kurt Long uh, who to the Going Forward podcast. Kurt, uh, for those folks who've never heard of you, please introduce yourself to them. Let them know exactly who you are. Thanks, Eric. And I am a longtime entrepreneur for the last uh, 30 years, and I've uh, founded four separate companies. The latest one is Bunker. We're working on that now. The previous three were all uh, meaningful businesses and acquired by uh, by public companies or significant private equity firms. Um, my career started in uh, in uh, Kennedy Space Center with a great group of people that have shaped me for my entire life, uh, along with my my wife, who I've been married to for 37 years, and we grew up together, if you will, and. Uh, have come to do everything in our life together as a partnership. Uh, I love, I've always been a very physical person in terms of sport and adventure. And so I've, you know, at different times that slows down a little bit because of responsibilities, but overall I've never stopped throughout my career also having a personal life that, you know, you go out and and, and do things you've never done before and and think of, it, it travel should be something that changes who you are at its mm. best. It, yeah. It's not, you know, I, okay. It's great to go relax, uh, but I'm really looking for experiences that make me come back and, and become a different person, a more informed person, and hopefully a more even compassionate person, you know, to the, to the people of the world here. Yeah, Bill Murray said something. He said, uh, he said, if you want to know if you should marry someone, you travel the world with them before you actually propose to them. And I thought that was really, it's truthful. Uh, it, it's really <laughs> Probably a good idea. <laughs> so, uh, well, congratulations to you and Teresa on 37 years of marriage. And, you know, it's always good to see when people can make one another better. And, you know, especially being an entrepreneur, you can't do it unless you have some people supporting you. And sounds like Teresa's that support. So uh, yes. I, I, I want to back up a little bit. You talked about your career. But I want to go back to the NASA days. Now, yeah. uh, you know, in the beginning, I, I said, you mean, how do you go from rockets to revenue? So, uh, yeah. but how has, I mean, tell me a little bit about NASA and then how that helped you in the business world. That's, I'm really curious about that. Yeah. So, um, started out at Kennedy Space Center and uh, worked in what's called, it's a little complicated, but it's called the real time space shuttle launch data bank and we kept track of all the commands and measurements for the shuttle itself the solid mm -hmm. rocket boosters external tank and all the ground equipment and what you can get out of that is you wow. know we had a lot of responsibility and my uh, my primary boss bill galloway 
he was an electrical engineer, graduated from Berkeley, and he would, you know, he demanded perfection. And he would tell us, "Hey, listen, if wow. we make mistakes and uh, they turn on the cabin lights and the wing flaps move, you know, it's a major problem." So, you at a very young age, I graduated from university at 21, went straight into that profession, um, and you know, like all 21 year olds, a little immature. Uh, yeah. but I had very, very demanding people around me where excellence was expected. And, you know, some of those, some of those demands, Eric, I'm sure you've been through this a little bit, uh, people that are demanding on you that might hurt in the moment, but every yeah. day that goes by, you're like, Oh my gosh, Bill, I'm so, and, and, and Rupert and Mickey and these other people. I'm so glad you were hard on me and shaped the rest of my, uh, my career. And then specifically yeah. just a, a couple takeaways. You might not think of this, but like truth, it sounds like a funny thing to say, but launching rockets makes you value truth. Like you have, everything has to go perfectly. You're, you're, you're launching something super powerful and you're trying to launch the, you know, you're launching the Hubble space telescope and it's got to come out of the payload bay. It has to go into orbit at a specific place. And if everything isn't perfect, it it goes wrong. You got one shot. you got one shot and like, there's no BS. There's right. no wave in your hands. There's it either works or it doesn't work. Right. And then when you take that to a startup, it, it, there's only you, you're exposed to the brutal truth, which is, do you have a market fit for your product or not? And you can talk all you want, but at the end of the day, people are either buying it or they're not buying it. And, hmm. uh, and so the, this, this kind of hard truth, you know, is part of that startup environment and uh, risk management, and some other concepts, but I'm going to stick with hard truth, Eric is, is, uh, you know, that's what I was in the business of. And that's what I feel like I'm in the business of with startups. Do, do you think some entrepreneurs, even now people getting into it, even experienced entrepreneurs that they still run from the truth and that's where oh, some yeah. troubles can come from. I mean, tell, tell me about that. Or have you seen it where it's like, uh, just stick to the truth and you'll be okay? Well, I mean, we all tell ourselves stories, even, you know, you're absolutely is the answer to your question. And the mm-hmm. entrepreneurs that make it tend to be able to listen to things that are uncomfortable. And boy, none of us want to hear that maybe we're off the market or, or we're not marketing this well. We're not communicating it well. We've, we're not market fit. The product broke, whatever. There's so many things that have to go right. Right. And the entrepreneurs that have the most trouble, you know, they have a, a, a repeat thing in their head um, and, and they don't adjust and they, and they're unable to listen and, and they cancel out those voices that, that maybe disagree with them. And the best ones can have a vision. They're, they're confident but they can take in a lot of different information and kind of vet out, vet out the, the, the bad stuff and, and vet in the stuff that makes them better. And, and hmm. so it's a huge part. Yeah. I mean, like, so when you were going into business, like you just mentioned, you know, making sure that you have a product or service that people actually mm-hmm. want to buy and they're going to spend yeah. money on. So did you do some kind of due diligence or did you just fall into something? Cause a lot of people I've heard them say before, and they've been on this podcast and they would say, I did this by accident or, and then you'd yeah. find very few who say, you know, I just had the love for this and money meant nothing. I just wanted to do this and be better at it. Yeah. Um, 
we'll come, I'll, I want to stick a little bit on this market fit idea. I do want to come back to what at the core of what I think is being an entrepreneur is all about, but let me stick on the market fit thing. Mm -hmm. So in the early days, I fell into it a little bit more, you know, got involved when the internet was emerging as a commercial viability and, and everything's growing and you could kind of attach yourself to just about anything and it would grow. And then, um, the, as I did this a few times, I started realizing like, oh, wait, like I'm an engineer and I'm kind of being an engineer led. Here's my solution. Um, how do I, how do I market it? How do I sell it? And how do I service it? And by the time I did say fair warning as the third company, it was the opposite of that. Mm. I was like, okay, the engineering's last. I want to know what market, what, what, what problem am I solving? Who am I solving it for? Where do they get their information about products like this? What sales channels do they look at? And what distribution channels uh, do, does that go through? And then in, only then after you know the what problem, who, where do they look, how do they buy it? Then I built the product. As opposed to the early days, you kind of like build a product and then look yep. around in the market for where do you jam it? That could work. I mean, you could get super lucky and it could get some size to it, but it's usually super inefficient. So by the time we did fair warning, I had it down decently well, and it was a hundred percent opposite of what you know I, I thought of as a thirty-three-year-old you know engineer. Mm -hmm. Now, now you people heard you mention fair warning. Tell people that yeah. was a company that you had back in in the early two thousands, and I think uh, uh, up to like twenty eighteen was when yeah. you you sold it. I'll tell tell people about fair warning, and then yeah. I, I want to go into engineering entrepreneurship, talking about entrepreneurship. Sure, fair warning. It was two thousand five through two thousand eighteen. We sold uh, the majority of it two thousand eighteen, and then it was acquired by a, a large company called Improvada in incomplete uh, at the end of 2019 still operates we invented the idea of protecting patient data patient records within a health system in electronic health records no one had ever done that before wow. of saying we're going to exclusively focus on protecting large and small health systems um, and it turns out that you know is that a real market? Well, you don't quite know, but my theory was, listen, the banks have already been beat up by the identity thefts, the bad guys, yeah. the cybercrime. These health systems, they got a lot of the same data. They have super sensitive information. It's a matter of time before the bad guys point at them. So mm -hmm. I was way out ahead on it. And then eventually the bad guys got their medical identity theft and they would steal and still do today, wow. steal patient information and take that information, sell it on the dark web, um, and then package it up, run it through uh, false clinics and fake businesses and false bill Medi Medicare for many, many millions of dollars. So they, they'd steal the information, wow. package it, sell it. And it could even falsify your own medical records, Eric, because if they don't know the blood type in whatever claim they're submitting, they just fill one in. Wow. Um, and that could wind up in your health record. So it was yeah. kind of med medical identity theft was the first identity theft that it could kill and that could kill. And we're the only people that had believed in that market and readied for it 
And so when the, uh, you know, the, the Affordability Act came along uh, and, and the stimulus bill from the Obama days came along, it had a ton of protection for patients in it. And we were, you know, you say stand at the right place at the right time. It's really a matter of, hey, being in the game. You got to yeah. stay in the game, man. And you get lucky the longer you stay in the game. And uh, yeah, that uh, huge success for everybody involved. Um, like a 50 to 100 X uh, for investors. I had one friend, Mike Cole, when he knew I was going to start another company, he just said, listen, here's $10,000. I don't care what you do. <laughs> I just um, want to be on that train. <laughs> I want to be on it. And, you know, we turned Mike, you know, that into a million dollars, you know? So yeah. I was lucky enough to do that for my childhood friends that were like, whatever you do, we're putting money in. And, uh, and to, you know, it's super rewarding, Eric, to 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 know that you you made your childhood friends and best friends millions and millions of dollars that part of the money super super rewarding right uh, remind me to give you ten thousand dollars before we get off this call today okay <laughs> all right so now you, you talked about you know market ready early and then you know yeah. right being lucky at the right time I, yeah. i've always remembered you know people saying you know um if, if you come too early with a great idea they're going to either say you are crazy or a genius, you know, it just depends on how it yeah. happens, you know, 100%. And, you know, you don't know which you are, you're sitting there, you know, in the early days, you, you're literally sitting there like, wow, so nobody's that interested. Uh, I and we think this is a big problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, you you have to seriously reflect, seriously reflect, am I crazy? Right. Or are we just one big break away from this taking off? Yeah. And that is absolutely what happened, you know, so it took us a little while to get going uh, for, say, 2005. It really wasn't until 2009 uh, till things started taking off. Wow. Um, but you you kind of have to test from time to time. You want to go back and test your foundational assumptions. Yeah. And it's like my assumption was the bad people will eventually get to healthcare, and they're going to figure out all that data is there. And when they do, they're going to go after them. Goodness. And so, and so you're just kind of sitting there making sure that your primary assumptions are correct. And then if you are, you know, you're looking for evidence. You don't just trust your own head. You're looking for third party evidence that you're mm -hmm. not crazy. And uh, it worked out, you know, it worked out really well in this case. I want to go back to the core when you, you mentioned Bill, Mickey, and I think Rupert is who, yeah, who it was. Yeah, that's right. That's you mentioned really good you, memory. You mentioned them early and you talked about, you know, how first you said Bill and how tough he was with you. And yeah. then you mentioned the three of them together. And then yeah. as you went into entrepreneurship, right. And you said, yeah. you know, I'm going full at it. Did you have this mindset, you know, um, or let, let me ask you this way. Do you believe like it really hurts an entrepreneur's chances when they go into the mindset of creating a business just for money. So let's, let me take, there's a lot in there. So let me give you two or three things. The first thing okay. is we all said Beth uh, Dykema in there and we had Kathy Shockey in there. So you had this group of people. I was a young guy. I told you I was 21. I right. mean, you're a kid. Right. Well, they treated me like I was a family member. And, you know, sometimes it felt like, hey, listen, they treat me better than my family. And they brought me along. They must have seen something in me. I mean, I don't want to mm. take away from myself completely, but I tried to serve what what they needed out of me and deliver for them. 
But on the on the other hand, in, in a position of responsibility like that, you don't know what you don't know. So they were very, yeah. you know, they could be a little bit hard, but overall they were unbelievably kind to me, even though they're demanding and took me from point A to point B, C, D, whatever. And when I left, they treated me like family. Uh, Del Coffey, you know, he brought me in his office once and he said, hey, listen, Kurt, we've given you a lot of raises here over the years and I'm going to be forthright with you. The program's cutting back and I'm not going to be able to give you the raises that I once did. And um, you should seriously think about leaving. Um, you can do more than this, than what I can do for you. Wow. And what, so, a, what a leader. Wow. Yeah. So you're like, that's, you know, you absorb that and you're like, okay, I trust and love Dell and, and I believe he has my best interests. And mm -hmm. maybe a year later, I, you know, I, I left. And so, and, and I went to a major company, uh, you know, yeah. with IBM, which had the most unbelievably smart people you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, but we couldn't make it work. We just couldn't, we couldn't get that common vision. We couldn't get that teamwork that we had at the space center. And so my burning desire as an entrepreneur was, can I create a business that we treat each other great, that we respect each other. And that's not the easiest thing to do as a young person. How do we create a, a, an environment where there's total trust, shared vision. We love to come to work. We're all, we're all in it together. And Eric, that is the number one driving force of my early, you know, early days of being an entrepreneur is could I recreate the wonderful environment that, wow. that we had from, from those men and women. And I, you know, we had so many great people in the space program, someone, my favorite astronaut, and I'm just jamming this in because I, mm. I, I may or may not fit. I'm jamming in a guy named Ron McNair. Um, mm. If you don't know him, I really encourage you to look him up in a challenger uh, right wasn't he in the challenger that, yeah challenger yep. so mm -hmm. he kind of when we i felt like okay 86 Ron's, no that's exactly right so ron was um, an astronaut on challenger he was a seventh degree black belt a phd in physics um he had passed through the astronaut program he had done all that he had won national karate championships and he, to be forthright with you, when he went to read books and miss check books out of the Mississippi library as a kid, they didn't let him. They told him no. They said, well, we're going to call your parents. He said, okay, call my parents. Parents mm. came. Say, we're still not letting you sit. He says, I, I don't care. I want the books. The cops came. He would not. He, I didn't know all this about him. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know it all. I, I just found out later. I just admired him. And so you're talking about what I believe are some of the greatest men and women ever certainly at that time mm. and it's like hey i i you know do something here with your life this guy gave his life to what he believed in so surely you know i can pick the ball up here and do something with yeah. my life and uh that's you know that's that's kind of the summary of that whole kennedy thing i think there was if i'm not mistaken there was someone from south carolina who was actually on that you know, Ron remember. was from South Carolina. I want to that's, say Ron McNair was South Carolina. That's, prob that's probably because I, I remember I remember us uh, in 86 uh, yeah. going going outside to see, like, you know, if we can see it going up in the air. So I still remember that uh, to yeah. this day. There's some things in history you'll never forget. That's the Challenger, 9-11, things like that, man. So, uh, yeah. you know, so when I said I went back and got the master's degree, that's what was that. Like, we were supposed mm -hmm. to sit around there for a couple of years, and I'm like, listen – 
I'm going to go take a couple years off, get a degree, still love science and math and all this. And uh, did that, came back for the next launch and was part mm -hmm. of Hubble and all this stuff. So um, let, yeah, go let's, go, let's go into entrepreneurship now, yep. you know, because some of what I, I heard you talk about, um, a lot of things that I also saw when I began, you know, our company or when I started working in, in corporate area, right? And yeah. I had and I had those influential people. For me, it was a guy by the name of Dave Lutton. I mean, he saw talent in me that I didn't see in myself. Yes. And he was so dang gone hard on me, man. And I talked to him <laughs> still to this day. Right? Yes. Um, but like he would see things in me. I, I wouldn't want to come to work. He didn't know I was a kid, teenager. You know, the more I worked, yeah. the more I stayed out of trouble. You know, that, yeah. that kind of thing. But there's those people that actually shape you in, in life and they instill these things into you. And, but I saw the way he managed and the way he managed me. I loved it because yes. I can look back now and say, man, that made me better. But yes. can you manage, you, it's hard to manage people today the way that I was once managed. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's a different, you know, we, we get older and generations change. And I, listen, I was not as, you know, you call it, use the word tough. I was not as tough as the guys who came before me. They were farmers, you know, and they, they fought in wars. And so, you know, to, to them, I was probably a bit soft and they found a way to make it with me and make me a little tougher, I hope. And, uh, you know, so I think we have to do that with the next generation. We all, you know, and think we're a little tougher than these guys and gals, but, you know, you just got to find a way to communicate. And just like at the team at Bunker, we had to learn about each other. This is the youngest group I will have worked with um, in my, you know, in, in, in the history of, of companies here. And, uh, and, and they're, they're young people. They see the world a little differently. And when we spend enough time together, mm -hmm. we get on the same page. I think I adjust a little bit and they adjust. And I tell you what they respond to over time. Mm -hmm. is if they believe that you are authentic in your desire to see them become better in every way and you're authentic in your desire that your product make the world a better place. And I think if they see that enough and wow. enough and enough and you see that they have talent in there that I certainly don't have and that you value them, that I think you eventually can get to the same spot, you know, wow. uh, co common vision, personal accountability, transparency. Let's get this done no matter what it takes. And um, we're going to be respectful, very respectful of one another. And mm -hmm. it's worked. Well, you know, it, it takes a certain kind of leader nowadays. And the, and the truth is you can't manage everyone the same. You have to manage them differently. And I That's think, right. I think it's really where you have to, really get to know the people that you're, you're right with. get to know them and, and like you said earlier like you know those people are on board and not once did you mention money not once did you mention money money's I mean, so rarely the problem yeah yeah but yeah that's yeah they, they want more money we know that i mean we yeah. know they're they have growing lives they're getting mortgages they're having you know they're starting to have kids of course they need money of course and and when there's the financial pressure on their side adds mm -hmm. up to where they can't stay, mm -hmm. well, they're going to leave, you know? Right. So you try to get ahead of that. You try to get ahead of them getting frustrated and, 
and uh, disgruntled because once they're there, they're, they're gone, you know, so you, you've got to try to stay ahead of that, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It does. So what are some of the big challenges you face as an entrepreneur? You've been around the block. Um, I mean, what, what, and you've worked in different areas and with different people. What are some of the challenges that you've faced? Um, I think there's macro level challenges. This is a pretty tough environment. Um, so the macro level challenges are there's uh, the big companies are really big and they, they offer mm. really good products. Like these are these are really good products that you're up against. And they have access to a lot of funding. And when I say that, like the, the big names, the Googles, the yeah. Microsofts, the Apples, they, they clearly don't need, they have their own capital, but they make good product. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even the companies that are emerging, when you get a winner, uh, they, get a, they get a lot of money poured in. So the competition is locked in. They're better than ever. And, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to deal with that in the marketplace. The next part I would say, Eric, is, People, I think people want a story that they believe in around your product. So it's not hmm. enough just to have like a better mousetrap or a, a better product. People are influenced by their belief in your intent mm-hmm. and you need an authentic story that you can live up to and a collection of promises that you're making that you're ready to live up to those promises that you make because people can leave your product so easily. There's so many choices. Absolutely. You know, so those, those are a couple of them, Eric, there's, there's, there's more, but I'm going to, I'm going to, there's more security threats for sure. Like as soon as you bring a a product up, that's an app, the the world attacks it and, and (laughs) there's, uh, okay, can can you live through that part of it? You know? And, and uh, so, so those are three things right off the top of my head that make it tough and you still have to find a way to make it through and adapt. And, and I love the challenge of, of, I, I love the challenge of it to be forthright with you. All right. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the three things that entrepreneurs must do. Okay. Okay. This is going okay. forward. All right, guys. Hey, it's Eric here from VIP Marketing, and I want to ask you digital marketers something. Are you frustrated with your current PPC marketing campaigns? Well, I want to tell you about a tool that we use here at our agency. It's called Optimizer. You have the ability to get your reports up to date and make sure that you get alerts on them. You can even work into workflows as well. 
So if you're frustrated with your campaigns right now and the reporting systems that you use, I want to give you a 14-day free trial of Optimizer. Go to optimizer.com slash go slash VIP. All right, everyone, we are back with, uh, he's, he's now my good buddy now, Kurt Long, he's my good buddy now. All right. Uh, and we were talking about, you know, entrepreneurship, man. We talked about your ride uh, from rockets to revenue. And there's a lot more in there. You talked about some of the companies that you've done, too. And right before the break, I said that I wanted us to come back and talk about three things that entrepreneurs should do. OK. Yeah, I'll say. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You got more to, OK. Yeah. So no. I'm going to do it super punchy and then let you dive in where you want and it's not okay. i bet you i bet you're not going to expect these the first thing an entrepreneur should do is understand how they want to spend the next 10 to 15 years of your life because realistically that's what it's going to take it, you say i want money i want okay, okay okay you want money well it turns out that it's a miracle you know if you make a bunch of money you know by year five it, it would just be a miracle now that doesn't say it won't happen but you right. know it takes right. a while my experience is it takes 10 to 15 years mm -hmm. um, to to create one of these things. So that and then you want to know how you want to live your life um, before you jump in to start in that business, because it's going to shape the business. The second thing is, what jobs do you want at your own company? Um, you want to know in in the early days, it might be every job you have every job at the company because there's no one else you know there's mm -hmm. one or two or three of you but then over time as it grows you should know hey listen i i want to be the person that sets the culture i'll tell you where i wound up eric i started out in every company kind of doing everything and then by the yeah. end i i wanted to be the person that shaped the culture because i i think that as a leader the culture of how you get work done and how you treat everything is whether you even want to come to work or not. So that I think it's oh. absolutely crucial. Wow. Next is kind of like I was into patents and innovation and I, I wanted to stay focused on that and not get too far track off it. And then like, I wanted to make the financing decisions of our big projects. Like I, I don't want to control budget line items. That's for someone else to do yep. Yep. But for the big initiatives. I say, we're going to invest a, a half a million or a million dollars in this. Well, I want to make that decision. So I call myself the financier. Um, and then I would do pick out the high level media stuff. I want to do high level media. Um, and that's my job. And if I don't have that job right now, well, what do I have to give away to get there? Because something I'm doing is a promotion for somebody else. Um, and then the last thing. So, you know, how am I spend 10 to 15 years of my life? What jobs do I want? The third thing is how, what meaning and purpose is there in this, in this enterprise I'm about to launch? And I need to get in touch with the meaning and purpose of this enterprise. Because if I'm going to do this with all of my heart and we're going to do it over a long period of time, I better be in touch with it. So those are the three things, Eric, I, I think people should do before they start a company. Uh, that's a lot. That's some really good inward looking there, too. Because I, I I don't know of very many people, you can have this vivid vision and say, this is where I want my company to be. But what you said was, where do you want to be in the next 10, Correct. 15 years of your life? That's that's a huge difference. And because I, I think a lot of times, and, and even myself, I'm totally guilty of it, Kurt. Like, I'm like, okay, where do I want the company yeah. to be and, yeah. in five years? Here's my vivid vision. But yeah. I'm not saying where I want my life to yeah. be, you know? Yeah. 
Well, it's like Warren Buffett says, uh, and I'm sure he didn't invent the phrase, but uh, getting what you want and wanting what you get are two different <laughs> things. You know, it's, hey, listen, I want to have a company with customers all over the world and a lot of employees. Right. Okay. You, have, you ever had that before? Well, no. Well, I can tell you, the more employees that you have, there's, there's going to be issues and you're mm -hmm. going to deal with them. And the more customers that you have, they're going to be demanding mm -hmm. um, and they're going to be hard on you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying you better understand that when you wish for it, you're going to get it. Or I want investors. I want venture capitalists in my business. Okay. Okay. Um, you, you did it. And now you have a board of directors. Mm -hmm. um, you're probably an employee now at your company. You're no longer in sole control of that company. And you should, I'm not saying don't, don't get venture capital. I'm just saying when you get it, you're kind of married to them and you're an employee of the company, an important one, wow. but you're an employee of the company. And, you know, all of the, all of the dream comes with the parts they, they don't tell you about. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of people uh, shoot. I mean, heck, you know, just like when you become a parent, there's no book. You take that baby home and it's like, you better love them. Yeah. Yeah. At some point your love takes over and you now, before you know it, you've raised a beautiful child. Right. Yeah. And yeah. like the same can be said about, you know, building a company. I mean, they got all these entrepreneurs for dummies and business for dummies and everything else, but there's really nothing that teaches you how to have that, that, that insight, the foresight, you know, uh, to be able to look at your hindsight and say, you yeah, know, this is, this is what it is. And, and this is how I grow. Some people don't know about financial because I know when I came in, Oh man, I knew I was good at what I did. Yes. I no idea. I didn't know anything about the numbers and that's one yes. of the most important parts of the business. And you being this math genius who launched rockets, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> you yep. know, how, how important is learning finance and, and the financials? Uh, how important is that for an entrepreneur? It's absolutely, I, I think it's essential. It's, it's foundational. And like if I, you know, before we're in our preliminary discussion, Hey, listen, Eric, I don't have a ton of rules about prescribing how to run a business, but I do have one, you know, mm -hmm. it's don't, don't run out of money, you know? <laughs> and if you're the CEO and you're the entrepreneur and you're recruiting people into your business, mm -hmm. like don't, you got to make payroll, man. Yeah, like, man. You have, you got to make payroll. Gotta well, make how, how do you make payroll? Well, it's something like I've got to have more money coming in uh, than going out. Yep. And if I have more going out than coming in over some period of time, I'm going to run out. And so the mechanics, that simple rule, mm -hmm. that, you know, that if you're there's an argument to say that's all you need to remember mm -hmm. if you're not a math minded, finance minded CEO. But don't mm -hmm. forget that. Don't run out of money. And then the more you can learn about the finances and, and learn about, you know, gross margin that every time we sell a unit, hey, here's the gross margin and here's our fixed overhead. And whether we, we sell anything or not, we are going to absolutely have to pay, you know, this, this amount of salary and payroll. And, and these are the data center bills. And hey, listen, these are the, these are the employee bills and there's a fixed overhead and we got to cover that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I personally kept, I, I wanted to know that I wanted to understand those really basic comment concepts. 
but baked in and then let other people run the details. I hope, I hope that made some sense, Eric. No, it makes a lot of sense too. I think it's, uh, you, are you familiar with Marcus Lemonis? Uh, I might be. Go ahead. Uh, he, he started this show called The Prophet, right? And okay. And and I remember, you know, like when I started watching the show, and you know, he would go in these businesses, you know, normally smaller businesses. You yes. Know, um, and and he would, you know, talk to these people about their business. Well, they were great at their business, Kurt, but they didn't know yes. anything about their numbers. So he was like, "Yes, you don't know your numbers. You don't know your business." Yes. Well, you know? so so let me add to your let me. Uh, add to that of where where I think that goes is let's suppose that you own a small business it, it could be a a, re a reasonably good sized restaurant but re relatively mm -hmm. small and mm -hmm. you have a million dollars of overhead like mm -hmm. in other words you're going to pay a million dollars out the door well and that you make thirty dollars a, a, a serving in other words that table the gross margin on that table is thirty bucks well, I think you're going to have to sell what is that thirty three thousand meals? You're going to have to have you ever cover the the million bucks. You know, yeah. so if if you're as an entrepreneur, if you can drive out the the overhead in your business, you know, and drive that down to half a million, well, gosh, now I start making money at my fifteen thousand meal served. Well, that's a lot better math than thirty whatever thousand. So really, I love those. Understanding the fixed overhead yeah. and understanding the gross profit and backing into how many units do we got to sell—that's the level of math I really try to bake in, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I remember coming up, um, you know, before I even got into media, I was in restaurants, and and that same guy that I was telling you about, um, he said, he said, look around this restaurant, and he said, what is the most expensive thing you see here? And I looked around, Kurt, and I said, uh, could it be that grill that we cook the, the, no. the food on? Or could it be the fryers? Or, or could it be the ovens? You know? He said, no. He said, that seat, that empty seat is the most expensive thing Makes in the restaurant. You know what I yeah. mean? And yeah. that lesson sticks with me today, man. You know, he was yeah. a good teacher, man. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about Bunker Life because, you know, yep. in, in your earlier business, you know, you, you were very early with medical records. And now yep. with Bunker Life, you know, you want to empower households to make sure like, you know, when they are surfing, surf safe, you know, and and protecting their you know, their privacy. So let's talk about Bunker Life a little more. Yeah. And just real quick on the Bunker Life part, you know, we it's trademarked all around the world as Bunker logo. You know, we did a great job of getting the marks on all that stuff. But there's this life part that's in the name of it formally. And it's something like this. It's um, to there's so many threats in the world today online that can, quite frankly, make your life filled with anxiety, frustration, loss of time mm -hmm. and, and even loss of money. And we think of Bunker as this safe haven for people to collaborate so they can live the life that they deserve and spend mm -hmm. time on what they value most, whether it's family or travel or food or whatever it is. And the original motivation was that after we sold Fair Warning, and we all worked as a family together at Fair Warning, the whole family did, our, you know. Teresa ran a big part of it, uh, Hobie, Trent, our, my, my, our sons. And we, we now had all of our own administrative tasks, no one to help. 
and you start realizing like wow just looking through emails and printing things and trying to send files along and remembering passwords and all this stuff this is super frustrating and um and let alone the security part of it and the privacy part of it and how do we how do we create and and weirdly there's no product out here that puts together invitation only messaging so you can get rid of spam get rid of fraud attacks and Mm. that you can send large files and send things securely and store your passwords and share seamlessly with a huge emphasis on saving time um there's nothing that really exists like that so let's let's put that together and bring it to market we'll start with our own family first we'll bring it out to, to, to friends and, and extended family and um, it's worked. But the whole idea, Eric, is to save people time, reduce the anxiety so they don't have to worry about uh, the, the, the cyber crimes and imposters and, um, and give them time back in their day so they can mm-hmm. spend it on what they want. And that's the life part of it. You know, so how'd you come up with the name Bunker? Was it just kind of keeping things safe, like what a bunker does? I mean, how'd you come up with that? Well, as you know, I mean, coming up with a name in this modern environment would go back to that. The namespace is pretty well taken. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I mean, it's tough. And so eventually, uh, over a course of a couple of weeks of brainstorming names, uh, we got in, you know, the Bunker, B-U-N-K-R. And um, it seemed perfect because it is about keeping safe uh, and building trust mm. with the people that you care about most. So it's kind of your inf- the most important information of your life is at your fingertips in Bunker. Mm-hmm. And then you can share it safely with the people that you trust most and no one else can get to it. You know, um, uh, Private Wealth Magazine did an article on you about keeping things safe your information mm-hmm. safe in this AI yeah. uh, day and age. And and everywhere you turn, like in the last 24 months, it's AI this, it's AI mm-hmm. that, it's, you know, AI can write your emails for you, AI can do this for you. And it's like, I'm afraid that people won't be able to think anymore, that they'll, they'll be so dependent on AI that they'll be afraid to think for themselves, you know? Um, how do you feel about the influx of AI um, and coming into the things that we're, we're used to doing every day and our emails and everything else. So I think I'm going to make two points. And the first thing you said, I can't agree with you enough. The first thing is just tactically when you get those texts that say your Amazon packages arrive, all we need is you to put your credit card number in or the phone call that says that it's the IRS and you need to call mm-hmm. back and mm-hmm. all of those crazy scams, the, the scams that, you know, your parents might fall for and on their social media messenger of the, you know, the person in some country, you know, those are all just dark web. Your information has been stolen and now it's robot attacks that are trying to probe for vulnerabilities and weak spaces and boy, when they find it, they're going to take that for all it's worth. And I had oh, a ringside goodness. seat for the last 20 years of being in information security. The bad guys have no heart. They're looking for the vulnerable. And I, they don't care if it's the homeless. They don't care if it's your parent. They don't care if it's the mentally ill. They don't care if it's the, the patient with a chronic disease. They are monsters looking to exploit vulnerability. 
Mm-hmm. And so with chat, you know, take a, the, the natural language AI, you know, I, I almost said chat GPT and there's other open AI. Yep. Those are already being purposed, maybe not those specific products, but th- they're, that genre is being purposed to make the attacks more intelligent. And now that, you know, they've got a repository oh. of information about you. Um, oh. And now I can add AI to, to deliver more sophisticated attacks in messaging and, even, and mess in mess in your oh. text message, your social media messenger, your email. Those are all super easy places to run imposter based attacks and scale them up. So like you're going to, they can run millions of attacks in automated ways. And now to incorporate AI they can they can prey upon more weaknesses that an old person might have or or any of us might have mm-hmm. um and so the first answer is hey you you got to protect yourself against those yeah and with the bunker thing it's invitation only so nobody can send you a message that you don't expect they can't get to you um is the first part of the answer the second wow. part is that when you say are we afraid of people not being able to think? The answer is yes. You know, like AI should be serving humans, not humans serving AI. AI should be used to enhance expert. Wow. It should be being delivered, used where there's a human in the loop at all times and key decision makings. And you may or may not know about, say, parole decisions that were being used with AI that went afoul because the AI just predicted um, that people of a common background really had no chance that that they'd get out of prison and reform themselves. And there's no human element to it. And my belief is like there's a divinity to humans. They say, yes, I have made mistakes in the past. Yes, if you were to look at my socioeconomic background and where I come from, Yes, it's likely that I'll fall down again, but each of us has a place of divinity in us that says, mm-hmm. no, uh, uh, enough. I've yeah. had enough. Yeah. I'm a changed person. And AI has the potential to strip out the divinity, the potential for divinity in us all. And so in my thoughts, Bunker, again, gives you that safe place to keep mm-hmm. the most important information to have your own notes, to share with people that you trust, people that you love. And like I have a, a, you know, in addition to my wills and trusts and passwords and all that stuff, you know, I I have folders that I've created. It's like art from around the world that I look at when I'm blue and and look at that art and say, wow, this is the most beautiful, inspiring thing. So I can center myself back. You know, that's, that's some thoughts, Eric. I'm curious yeah. your response. No, I I think that's uh, it's a part of the AI that I I have not thought about. You know, on how it can just it can you know anything that's meant to be good. Like you know, yeah, you know, I'm in here in the South, and 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 there are people who hate guns, and then there are people who love guns, and it's yes. you know it, you know the same thing. It's like uh, that's the tool that's created, and I think it's like there are the bad characters out there who can utilize it to their advantage. For example, someone who is in another country and they don't understand the culture here, mm-hmm. or they can use AI to read into the culture and make those messages Absolutely. better. 
to be able Absolutely. to do that. You know, I don't want to give you bad guys any, you know, tips out there because we'll be yeah. coming for you because we got bunker. But, um, you know, so can you can you use bunker for like business? Can you use it? for? Oh, business? yeah. Well, I mean, the original one of the original motivations, you know, look at, look at the use cases. And when I was uh, CEO uh, of, say, Fair Warning, but also of Open Network and, and other bus- you know, businesses I've run in the past, mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges was if I tuned out of my messenger, my email, my text messenger, when I turned it back on, you know, and it could have been on a long flight. It could have been on the weekend. It it could have been, I just went to play a sport or exercise and I'm going to turn this thing off. Right. When I came back to it, you know, my phone, you're like, oh my gosh, what is this explosion in my inbox of, of, and you're just, you know, you're just literally sitting there thinking, I got to get through this. When am I going to do that? And what you start figuring out is my mind would be blurred by the noise of employees or suppliers, all these people that wanted my attention. And I lost the attention of the people that mattered most, you know, my most important team members at Fair Warning or my most important customers or my my family that was trying to get through to me. And so with Bunker, I finally, I feel like I fixed that problem because the only people that can get to me in Bunker are the people I trust the most and have given permission to. And so when I, if I open up Bunker, it's like, these are the people that matter to me, Mm -hmm. my family, my most trusted business colleagues, and even my most important customers. And yeah, they come first, you know, and then I'll go over here and and sort through the spam and the texts and the, and all the other people in a business that want your attention to shape their agenda. That's not Mm -hmm. really there. It's important, Eric, but it's it's not, if if I don't, not for you. Yeah. And like you get lost in that. Oh yeah. So that, that was a big part of what bunker was all about and how, how we use it for business today. Mm -hmm. In addition to, Hey, listen, I'm super, super busy. I want everything at my fingertips. I want my passwords at my fingertips. I want this briefing document at my fingertips. I want my travel docs at my fingertips. I want the notes that I made at the last meeting on my fingertips at my fingertips. That's all, no matter where I am in the world, with or without internet connectivity, Bunker puts those at my fingertips. So oh, man, that's, that's how a, I that's how I use it. That That is awesome, man. Uh, I, I How about a case study? You got any case studies on where it's really helped? I know you use your family kind of as the, I don't want to say the guinea pig, but you guys were yeah. actually the first to really utilize it and see its effectiveness. But is there a success story you've seen from the business end on yeah. or personal end where someone's just, you know, it's really saved someone? Uh, so we have, um, I'm going to, let's do, let's do cardiovascular surgeon first. You know, um, a cardiovascular surgeon is a bunker customer. And for this gentleman, um, he uh, he's always subject to HIPAA. So he's a little worried about the sensitivity of information and mm. that's carried over into his family communication. He's an Android user. So anytime somebody tries to send him something from, you know, an Apple phone, it never works well. He's worried about se- security. And so he's turned bunker into his entire platform for his family communications, which includes his wife, who's a a nurse and um, his extended family where they, uh, they travel together. 
and they do business together. So that that gentleman uses it within that context. But here's a funner one. Um, and I don't think Ollie would mind me sharing his name on this one. He manages, um, he's a agent for IMG. And when I say doesn't mind, he, he doesn't mind. Um, <laughs> uh, and if he does, he'll, he'll call me and we'll work that out. You know, he's an agent for the largest sports agency in the world. And he's a, a partner there in SVP and for one of the largest entertainment uh, management companies in the world. So he's, he always deal, he's traveling all the time, all over the world. He's got super high profile clients. He, I sat by him, I went to Wimbledon once with him. I went over to the house that IMG was running. His phone is blowing up. That guy's wow. phone never stops buzzing. You're like, dude, like, holy cow, I thought my phone was busy. <laughs> and so he wanted Bunker for his key players to use um, mm -hmm. so that they could always get through to him and that they don't have to text him and he has to read through that blur. And then also he's a, a wonder, has a wonderful family. He just moved to Portugal. Um, so they're always, they're always in different places and his family can stay in touch with him through Bunker. And he has all of the player passports because super high profile athletes, all the player passports, visas, tournament information, wow. everything you can think of at his fingertips and their fingertips. Because a lot of the athletes, they're younger people. And Eric, mm -hmm. when I was 19 or 20, I can tell you, I wasn't the most organized person. <laughs> and that's his Same role to, to help keep them organized and help them focus on their craft, which is, hey, you need to be a practice today and yeah. you need to be focused on that match tomorrow not whether you got the registration and you can't find your passport number right now. We got to get the registration to the tournament. You mm -hmm. know, we got to get you checked in. So those are a couple of use cases. Wow. Well, that's, that's really good, man. I am. Um, I, I really have enjoyed talking to you, Kurt, man. And, and it's, uh, I think a lot of people can, can learn a ton from you uh, along your professional journey, man. And uh, before we go, I want to shout out yeah. some people because I heard you mention some names here. Yeah, uh, yeah, we want to definitely shout out Teresa for 37 years of marriage to you, you. Man, for being yeah. your better half. Hobie, Trent, you know, Beth yeah. Dickinson, Kathy Shockley, Bill, Mickey and Rupert. Yeah, some of the people, some important people in your life. And I bet they are inside of your bunker. Absolutely. Loved <laughs> ones. Yeah. You, know, you know, we all we having families great, but having a greater group of people that you love and care about. And, you know, that over time they love and care about you is so important. Awesome, man. So uh, as we uh, conclude today's episode, uh, Kurt, I would love for you to tell people exactly how to, you know, possibly contact you if they need to, or just, you know, find out more about Bunker. Uh, go ahead and give them, you know, ways to find you. Yeah, on Twitter, I'm at uh, Kurt Long at VWM. That means Ventures with Meaning. On uh, Instagram, you can get, get to me through the Bunker.life uh, account. On LinkedIn, you can look up Kurt Long and just put in Bunker or Fair Warning and I'll be there. And then a bunker is available on the uh, on the app store uh, and on the play stores all around the world. It's running in 22 countries now. We're about to have a big uh, a big product launch that I'm uh, really excited about. That'll be September 12th. We really, even though we have all these customers and users around the world, we haven't really launched it yet, Eric. So that'll be an exciting time coming up. 
Well, I'm, I'm going to make sure I log on and try and check out Blunk Bunker too. Bunker. Uh, Kurt, I want to thank you for being an amazing guest. I want to thank those guests out there for those listeners out there, all those people who are listening to us. Hopefully you got some value from Kurt and I's discussion today. And also I want to thank you guys for giving us your most valuable asset, which is your time. It's the one thing you can never buy back. This is going forward. I want to thank you all for giving us your most valuable asset, your time. And also a huge thank you to our sponsors over at Optimizer. For all of you who are running PPC campaigns and you want to see how to do it better and get better results and actually boost the performance of your campaigns and save time, get a free trial at optimizer.com slash go slash VIP.